So for the last several weeks now, we've been studying through the life of Abraham. And we've been looking at the faith journey of Abraham. Of course, Abraham is known as the father of our faith. Uh, he is recognized by three, the three major religions as the founder of their faith, the father of their faith. Abraham, of course, was called a friend of God. And he was the first man in Scripture to completely walk with God by faith. And there's a lot we have learned and a lot we can learn through his walk with God. And as we began studying his, his light, the life of faith, we saw last week how Abraham handled conflict. Of course, some, some conflict came up in, in Abraham's life between him and his nephew Lot. And both men saw the need to resolve the conflict, but both of them chose very different ways on how to deal with the conflict. Each man handled the situation differently, and each man suffered vastly different consequences because of how they chose to handle the conflict. Lot, of course, he handled it selfishly. He handled it by what he, seeing what he could get for himself and pleasing himself and all he wanted to do was, was make sure he was taken care of and he was happy. Abraham, he handled the conflict by having faith in God's promises and seeking a peace between him and his nephew in a way that glorified God. Lot handled it selfishly in what was best for him. So after Lot chooses the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, he takes his family he takes his herds, he takes his employees, and he leaves. And Abraham is left alone. And you've got to put yourself in Abraham's shoes. You've left everything you've known. God came to you and said, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. I want you to leave your father's land, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your lives, leave everything you know, and go to a land I'll show you. And he obeys God. He heads off to follow God. He has some lapse of faith where he goes down to Egypt for a while. When he comes back, he gets back into the will of God and doing what God wants him to do. He has, he has conflict between him and his only relative, Lot. Now, Lot is not his son, but Lot has, has been raised by Abraham. His, Lot's father died early on, and so Abraham kind of took Lot in and raised Lot as his own. And so to Abraham... His flesh and blood, the boy he's, he's raised and helped and encouraged and strengthened has, has just abandoned him and left him. And now it's just Abraham and Sarah. God promised them all these kids, but they don't have any. So Abraham, at this point in his life, at this point in his walk with God, is probably very discouraged you ever been there? You ever felt like, God, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm obeying you. I'm walking with you. I'm trying to please you. And it's just, this is, how I, this is how I get treated? He felt very discouraged. He felt very down. And God comes to him and gives him an incredible blessing. God comes to him and shows Abraham incredible grace during this lonely time. During this difficult time, Abraham finds, a, finds incredible grace and incredible blessing from God. It was during this time 
that God comes to Abraham again to encourage him by reminding Abraham of his promise and renewing his promise with Abraham. So look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse number 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes to look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the uh, can, can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land, in the length of it, and the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So what we see here is God coming to his friend. When his friend is in a very low spot, he's discouraged. He's, he's maybe doubting. God, why would you bring me here? Just have Lot take the best of everything and leave me with, with Sarah and kind of abandon me and walk away from me. And now it's just me and Sarah. And I know you promised me all these kids, God, but Lord, I'm old, she's old, and we ain't got no kids. So he's very discouraged. He's very down. He may be doubting in his faith. And God comes to him to encourage him, to remind him, to tell him, Abraham, it may look bad right now, but it's not how it seems. And the promises that God gives to Abraham, see, here's, here's something we've got to understand about the promises of the Bible. They're not just for the people in the Bible. You know, we read these promises like, oh, well, that was a promise God gave to Abraham. No, no, no. If it's in the Bible, if God preserved it in his holy word, these promises are not just for Abraham, they're for us. They're get, now, I'm not saying you can go and say, well, hey, God promised Israel, Abraham says so mine now, and you know, try to say it's my land. That's not the promise I'm talking about. But God gives Abraham some incredible promises, some incredible encouragement that's available to us today as well. So as we continue to study Abraham's faith journey, let's see how these promises apply to us today. First thing we need to look at, we see first of all, God confirms his word. <clears throat> look again at verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, you know, because he was, he was probably looking down. Abraham was throwing a pity party. Just like, well, my life's ruined now. He was Eeyoring. That's what he was doing. You ever been Eeyore? My life's miserable. And God's like, Abraham, look up. Get, get your eyes up. The life's not that bad. I've got some encouragement for you. It says, Abraham, and the Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it. And to thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So looking at the events of Abraham and Lot's separation 
from the outside looking in, it looks like Abraham got the short end of the stick. Now, he showed humility. He showed grace when he came to Lot and said, Lot, there's some, some strife between our, my herdman and your herdman, and I don't want this to cause conflict between us. Now, at that point, Abraham could have said, so I'm going to take the best of the land. You can take whatever. Or I'm going to stay here. You go back home. But that's not what Abraham did. Abraham said, Lot, so you choose whatever land you want, and I'll take the rest. I'll take whatever's left. And so Lot, caring only about himself, caring nothing about Abraham, he chose the best land, the well-watered plains. So from the outside looking in, it looks like Lot got the short end of the stick, or Abraham got the short end of the stick. Lot took the best land. Abraham's got land that's got sparse vegetation on it, not much water. How's he going to feed his flocks? How's he going to take care of everything there? He got the leftovers while Lot got the best of the best. But that's not what happened. See, in verses 10 and verse 14, the Bible says, both Lot and Abraham lifted up their eyes. Lot lifted up his eyes to look towards the well-watered plains of Sodom, and Abraham lifted up his eyes because God said, Abraham, it may look like you didn't get what you wanted, but look, at all, look as far as you can from the west and the north and the south. And you know what was in all those areas? The well-watered plains of Jordan. So God is telling Abraham, Abraham, I know Lot chose that land, but that's still yours. You're just letting him stay there. You're just letting him use it. But the land was still Abraham's. They both lifted up their eyes, but what they saw were completely different. Lot saw the world. Abraham saw the promised land. Lot looked in self-sufficiency. Abraham looked in perfect trust. Lot looked with a heart driven by greed and lust. Abraham looked with a heart driven with sacrificial love and unity. Lot looked through eyes connected to a worldly, uncommitted heart. Abraham looked through eyes connected to a committed spiritual heart. Lot took the best land for himself, but God had already given all of it to Abraham. So here's what the Bible is teaching us. Those who walk in faith with God are always taken care of. God always takes care of those who trust in him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, and he shall direct thy paths. God's saying, look, if you just trust me, it may not make sense all the time. It may not seem like you're getting the good stuff. It may seem like you're getting the raw end of the deal. But if you walk in faith with God, if you trust God over what you can provide for yourself, God always takes care of you. Lot took the best land for himself, but God had already given it to Abraham. God honors the faith of his people because faith honors him. So let's look at this promise <laughs> that God reaffirmed with Abraham. First of all, let's see the content of the promise. You know, a promise is only as valuable as the content of it, as to what it is being promised to you. And the promise that God gave to Abraham had some incredible content. First of all, it had, number one, it had a promised land. Lot chose the best. Abraham got that, as well as the rest of Canaan. The land was a reward for his faith. Because he had faith in God... 
and walked in trust with him, God rewarded him. His faith had become sight. Like the believer today, we have faith in a land that waits for us on the other side of death. When we die as a believer, we don't lose anything. We gain everything. Our faith becomes sight as we receive the land God has promised to us. Not only did they have a promised land, number two, it had a promised legacy. God's promise is enhanced by the promise of multiple children for Abraham and Sarah. God comes to him again and says, hey, Abraham, you're going to have more children than the dust of the ground. You ever tried to count dust? I hope not. I mean, I've tried to get rid of dust, but I've never, you know, put all the dust in our house, which is not much, <laughs> and try to count it all. But God says, all the dust of the ground, all the dust of the earth, you're going to have more children than even the dust of the ground. Now, his lack of children, it was a sore spot for Abraham and for Sarah. And in fact, in a few chapters, God comes to Abraham again. He says, Abraham, remember, I'm going I'm to bless you with children that can outnumber the stars. And Sarah hears this and laughs because she's like, <laughs> I'm pretty old, God. I know you knew everything, but I don't think you know biology. I'm old, and I can't have that many kids before I die. And so she, she doubts, she laughs because she doubts that God's going to keep his word because it seems impossible. Now, to the people of his day, Children were a sign of blessing. The more children you had, the more God had blessed you. Even his name mocked him. Abram, the name Abram means exalted father. But he has no children. Not even one. And here God is telling him, hey Abraham, don't get worried. You're going to have more kids than the dust of the ground. But God promised him so many children it would outnumber the stars. And here's the thing we need to understand. God kept his word to Abraham. You know, we all know that song, Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons said, there's a reason we call him the father of our faith. Now, I mean, if we're talking, you know, literally and genetically, yes, he, his offspring are a bunch. The Jewish nation, there's, there's billions and billions throughout history. There's billions of them. So, yeah, may outnumber the stars. But spiritually speaking... Every person who's ever accepted Christ as their Savior, Father Abraham is their spiritual father. So here's what God's teaching us here. When God makes a promise, no matter how crazy it may seem, or how impossible it may seem, or how long it seems to come true, God always keeps his word. God will never let you down. You know, people let us down all the time. People promise to do stuff and they never come through. And that's, that's, that's the nature of humanity. But God doesn't let us down. God always keeps his word. God kept his word for Abraham and he does for us as well. He, he wants to multiply our faith and use us to reach others for his glory. We can have a legacy of spiritual children for the honor and glory of God. So we see a promised land, a promised legacy. Thirdly, we see a promised length. God's promise to Abraham had no expiration date. God didn't come to Abraham and say, Abraham, you're going to have this many children by the 13th of May. No, he said, this is, a, this is an eternal promise, Abraham. 
This promise is given to you now, but it's going to last for the rest of eternity. God was going to bless Abraham and made him, made him this promise for God's glory, with, with, and it was an eternal promise. As believers, we also have an eternal promise from God. Our salvation, our home in heaven, our Father's love are just a few of the eternal promises God has given to those who are saved by grace. When God makes a promise, he never takes it away. So we see, first of all, Letter A, we see the content of promise. Letter B here, we see the time of the promise. God's promise came back. He reminded him of his promise after he had separated from Lot. When he was down and discouraged and maybe feeling a little low, God comes to him to encourage him. Lot represented worldliness and a lack of commitment to God. And when that distraction was removed, Abraham was able to hear from God. Look, sometimes separation... From people in our lives is never easy, but if we expect God to bless us and we want to hear from God, we have to separate from anyone and anything that hinders our relationship to God. So if you study scripture, Abraham, remember, he just came back from, from Egypt. While he was in Egypt, he didn't hear from God. When he, he left, he hadn't heard from God. He didn't hear from God until Lot had left. Sometimes there's, here's, here's what I'm saying, Lot was a toxic relationship in Abraham's life. Some of us, we have toxic relationships in our life. People that they, they take all of our attention, they take all of our time, they, they kind of get us so frustrated or upset or dealing with it. It's like they're stealing our focus from God and sometimes it's hard. And look, don't go to them and say, you're toxic. Preacher said, cut you out of my life. Don't do that. But you can pray, say, God, can you remove this distraction? Lord, can you help me to focus on you instead of focusing on them? Sometimes we got to get rid of the distractions that keep us from walking with God. So this promise was just amplifying the promise God had already gave to Abraham when he came to him years before. God came to Abraham when he was at his lowest. His nephew had left. He still didn't have a child. He had been doubting. And God will always come to you when you need him the most. When you're most discouraged, most that's when God speaks the loudest to us. He will confirm his word and strengthen our faith. So we see God confirms his word. Number two here, we see God commands his servant. See, after God had renewed his promise with Abraham, he gave Abraham a call to obey. And that's how God's promises work. Whenever God promises us something, it's always a conditional promise. I will do this if you will do this. Now, he never asked crazy stuff. God's not like, I will bless you if you can stand on your hands for three hours. He never asks stuff that's, and, and you know what? He always asks stuff that we can do through him, that he's going to help us with. But he, he tells Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to give you this land. But I want you to do some things to obey me. <clears throat> so he wants to bless us, but he wants us to walk in faith and obedience to him. God, if we want, if we want the best from God, we should be willing to follow him. So what were these commands? <clears throat> Sorry. What were these commands that God gave to Abraham? First of all, he gave him a command to rise. God is calling on Abraham to continue his walk with God. It's very easy when we're discouraged to not walk with God. Because we don't want to. It's very easy... They're in turmoil. 
in conflict, and maybe we're feeling a little rejected and feel like, God, I just don't know what's going on, it's very easy to say, I'm not going to read my Bible today because there's no point. I'm not going to pray today because there's no point. Why go to church? It's not going to do any good. So what God is telling Abraham is, Abraham, don't let this time of discouragement take you away from walking with me. Get up and keep walking with God. During times of doubt and turmoil, we don't need to walk away from God. We need to draw closer to him. Too many believers, they are sitting around and not walking with God by faith because they've gotten a little discouraged. He commands them to rise. Second thing, we give him, he gives them a command to remember. Abraham is told to get up and walk all through the land that God was giving him. See, what God was doing was God wanted him to see and remember all he had been given through God and his relationship with him. As believers, God wants us to remember and review all we've been given through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's more than just a home in heaven. Does God give us home in heaven through the death, burial, and resurrection? Yes, and that is great. And look, if that were it, that'd be great. But that's not all we've been given. We've been given acceptance. See, Abraham, he's feeling rejected by his family. You ever felt rejected by someone? And look, when you're rejected by family, it hurts. Because they're the ones that are, I mean, they have to love you. They're family. You know, you, don't, you get to choose your friends, but your family, you've got to love them. You've got to accept them. And so when family rejects you, that's a deep hurt. And Abraham, God wants us to remember, hey, People may reject you, but God never will. And here's a good thing. You don't have to do anything to make God accept you. Because you could never do anything to make God accept you. You will never be good enough for God. But you don't have to be. He died for us. He was buried for us and he rose again for us. So if we accept him as our Savior, we are accepted in the family of God. And we are always accepted by God. So God wanted Abraham to remember, hey, you may be rejected by Lot, but not by me. You will always be accepted by God. We've been given grace. We've been given mercy. We've been given acceptance. We've been given heaven. We've been given peace. We've been given joy. We have been given so much to our relationship with God. At his lowest point, God wants Abraham to remember all that he has in God. When you feel at your lowest, that's when you need to go in the Bible and get on your prayer knees and say, God, I need to remember all I have. Because if you start just listing the things you have through God, it's hard to feel depressed after a while. Because like, you know what? My life may be a mess, but God's just given me so much. Remember all the things God has given you. He has a command to rise, a command to remember, and thirdly, a command to receive as Abraham journeyed through the land, he was to live as if he already owned it. The land belonged to someone else right now. But Abraham was to accept it by faith, the fact that it was already his. That's the same is true in our spiritual journey. We have been given so much in Jesus that we are to claim by faith. All right, here's a question. You don't got to raise your hand if you don't want to. Well, don't raise your hand. Just in your heart. How many of us You've got some sin. Maybe it's, an, maybe it's a, 
uh, an emotion, maybe it's a feeling, maybe it's a, a, a character trait, something that you're just like, I wish I could overcome this. I wish I could get rid of these feelings of, of doubt, or these feelings of, re- I wish I could get rid of these, these, this anger, this temper, all these things. I just, I wish I could conquer them. We've all got these things. We're just like, I wish I could have victory over this. Do you know in Christ, you've already got the victory over it? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever you're struggling with, as a child of God, you already have the victory. You just have to claim it by faith and receive what God has given you. We've been given the victory through Jesus. We do not have to live defeated lives. But there, there are days we got to claim it by faith. There are days we have to say, God, I know I've been given the victory, but I don't feel it right now. I need to claim by faith the victory you've been giving me. God doesn't want us to just know what he has given. He wants us to claim it in our life. So we see God's, first of all, he confirms his word. Secondly, we see God commands his servant. And finally, we see Abraham obeys God's will. Look at verse 18. (coughs) Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. We see how Abraham obeyed God in his life. First of all, we see it in his, we see it seen in his obedience. When God spoke to Abraham, Abraham responded in action and obedience. You know, if you've got kids, you probably know the frustration of when you tell your, tell your children, hey, go clean your room, and they don't get up. Now, I'm sure my kids aren't the only ones. I'm like, hey, be sure to do that. And they just like, okay. Stay on their phone. You're like, I just, I just gave you a command. I want you to obey. No, no, I'll do it eventually. No, 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 I want to do that now. And so when Abraham, when God gives us command, he doesn't want us to just say, I'll get to it eventually. He wants us to obey in action with God. As he walked the land, he was looking at more than the scenery. He was looking for a place he would settle forever. He was looking beyond Canaan. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, By faith, Abraham, and when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was looking to heaven. He was looking to eternity with God, so he kept going. He kept walking with God, enjoying God's promises until he got to see him face to face. Like Abraham, we're pilgrims in this world, waiting for our faith to become sight. And as we travel through this life, we're to do so in faith and obedience to God, always knowing this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. One day, we'll leave this world for a better place, but until then... We need to live in obedience to God. It's seen in his obedience. Secondly, it's seen in his fellowship. Abraham moved to Mamre, which is in Hebron. And those, those two names have significant meaning. The Mamre means fatness. And Hebron means fellowship. Abraham settled in a place of blessing and closeness to God. He is living his life in close fellowship with God. And that is what God desires from us. He wants us to live in a place of blessing and fellowship with him. 
But then it's seen in his adoration. Abraham does what he's done since he began walking with God. He builds an altar and he starts worshiping the Lord. A life lived in communion with God is a life that God blesses. He desires that we all love him more than we love the things of the world. He wants us to acknowledge him, to exalt him, to love him, and to worship him. You know, here's, God doesn't need you. God wants you. And that, should, that, that, that shocks me. I, I know God doesn't need me. But, but God wants me. God desires me. God wants me to spend time with him and fellowship with him and walk with him and worship him and adore him. So where are you in your relationship and your walk with God this morning? Are you as close as you should be? Are you as close as you have been? Are you growing deeper each day in the things of the Lord? When God speaks, do you obey? Are you concerned with strengthening your fellowship with him day by day? Is his worship the number one priority in your life? Look, those are hard questions for us to answer for ourselves. And you're the only one who can answer that for yourself. Those are hard questions to face, but they reveal a lot about our heart and our, and our relationship with God. May we determine that like Abraham, our life would be characterized by altars and obedience to the voice of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.